Thank you, Rachel and Thomas. Well, the block party is upon us. A lot of exciting times. Well, we've had a lot of exciting times. Uh, I was thinking about the last few weeks, kicking off the summer. Uh, there were a lot of scouts that were here, and they saw the generosity of Kingsway Baptist Church as they were able to use our facilities and uh, to be able to minister to a bunch of kids. And we'll thank the Kingsway family for that because together we were able to allow that to happen. I mean, after all, this is God's place. And it's good that we're able to use it for His glory. Last week, Bible school, kids are wonderful. Uh, Becky, all the teachers, everybody that made that happen, what a blessing all you guys are. And uh, in the closing time, I shared not only we learn from the adults, but the kids teach us. You know, we're supposed to come to the Lord as little children. And all little children gave us some great lessons. Now we have around the corner, boy, there is a lot to do. It's almost overwhelming. And I'm grateful for all those who have signed up for the block party. I know we've had some announcements, but just want you to keep that in prayer. We had original, we have a bunch of flyers that we want to pass out. You can't put it in mailboxes, but we wanted to put it, uh, it's not illegal to put it in the paper boxes. And we had originally planned on doing that later in the week and got some advice from another church that has been doing block parties for a couple of years that it would be wiser not to wait till the end of the week. And we had talked about as a group to do that um, on Wednesday. And so as a result of that, um, we're not going to have a, a, a regular planned organized prayer meeting. But that doesn't mean I don't want you guys to pray. Guys, this whole, everything we do needs to be bathed in prayer. So although Wednesday we won't have our regular organized prayer meeting, but please don't take that to mean don't pray. If anything, double the prayer efforts on what we want to do. Uh, let's meet here all those who, who can, who have a heart for that. At, uh, let's try to meet here even a little earlier, say at 6.30. I think people can get out here who can drive and, and help with that. And, and maybe there will be some here that want to go ahead and in, in groups contact each other if you want to pray together. Like I said, I think that's a blessed idea. Uh, we also have a need, I found out, um, we were just talking about for some signs so people will know. We're at, the campground is graciously there, allowed us to use their bathrooms for the block party. A lot of people don't know where that is. And there are some other areas. Uh, and we need to get that together, but I'll make a uh, plea any of you guys that are artistic have a flair for that and want to be a part of that ministry and uh, getting some signs ready, let us know. Um, want to involve any who may have a heart for that. Uh, please be aware of that if you signed up. We need everybody's help. If you didn't sign up, we need your help. Come be a part of it. Uh, even if you did not sign up, we need you to just go apart and rub shoulders with who is there so they can see the Spirit of God in people. So we want everybody to be a part of that. We're estimating, I know the YWCA had one not too long ago. They had 800 show up. Uh, we had talked, we think there could be anywhere from 500 to 1,500 come through. Uh, it's prime property there by Bonnie's. Uh, if you hadn't got any road signs put in your yard or places, do that, get the word out. Uh, I didn't mean to make this too long an announcement, but we need everybody's help. And the Friday after 3, there'll be a bunch down there at the property setting up. Come be a part of that. It's just going to be a lot of fun and excitement, chance to minister. One more, and don't worry, I'll get in the message. I didn't mean to make this a long commercial. Uh, 
We are having door prizes and man, some really cool door prizes. Uh, a list of some great stuff. But as it's already been announced, remember that the door prizes are not for the church family. So we're not, you know, guys, I encourage you, it's not for us to sign up to get the door prizes. But what we're doing this for is so that we have an opportunity to go and to talk to some people. Let them know that they're loved by the Lord and by, by His people. And, uh, of course, I intend to go deliver some of those. But if you have a heart for that, if you like to visit and you like to see people, uh, let me know. Love to help getting out there trying to deliver these prizes. I'm not even sure the total number of prizes. I know we're going to have at least a draw in every half hour. And there's a lot more than that. Uh, don't have to be present to win. That way we can go see you. That's what we're going to have happen. Also, I know the WMU and uh, some other ladies have talked about making some bread. So afterwards, a list of names of people we have, we can go by and give just a little generous gift. Not to stay a long time, but just to say, man, it was great to meet you. Thanks for coming to the block party. Uh, and, you know, just let them know that always welcome at Kingsway. Maybe have a chance to share Jesus, maybe not. What a chance to minister, guys. Uh, excited about it. Alright, now I'm to Father's Day. You know, it's interesting. When you get to Mother's Day, we have a time, this is a typical pr- uh, practice in churches, we have a time Mother's Day where we talk about how awesome moms are, and they are, how great they are, how they nurture, how they love. And then a lot of times on Father's Day, it's like, man, we got to whip those guys into shape. Because, man, they, they're not faithful. They fall through the cracks. They forget about their family. They, most of those guys practice selective hearing. They don't hear what they choose to hear. I remember I did that as a little kid, man. They took me in for a hearing test because I never seemed to obey. And they figured out, man, he's got almost perfect hearing. It's just what he wants to hear. Or it may be, that guy, you know, he just never gets any detail. And guys, don't you hate the question when you're, uh, when the ladies in your life ask you that question, do you notice anything different, honey? Oh, man, that is a dangerous question. But what I, what I want to share this morning is not uh, just a message of, let's get these guys into shape, me too. But I just want to encourage faithful fathers, dads who really want to love their families, and who really want to love the Lord. Turn me to uh, Matthew chapter 7, familiar verse uh, to many of you. I want to read together, it's our scripture reading, Matthew 7, 9 through 11, and then we're going to jump over to Mark 3 and look at a dad. Find Matthew 7, I'm going to ask you to stand and... God's honor, as I read from the Scriptures, Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You for allowing us to be here today. Thank You, Father, for the gift of men who uh, have discovered You and Your love and who are seeking You, God. Uh, 
And I pray not only for, for those men, but for those who are ready to start that journey of seeking You. Father, may You be glorified. Be glorified among all of us, Lord. We need to be reminded of Your presence, God. Speak to us. Visit us with Your power, Lord. Just uh, show us Your love. In Your name we pray. Amen. Everybody needs to be affirmed. Everybody needs to be built up. Sometimes we guys want to come across as being tough. As in control. As being always able to solve it and fix it and to get it to work. But sometimes we feel like there's no way to do that. There's no hope. We need to be affirmed. We need to be built up. Because I believe although um, guys do struggle, just as this scripture in Matthew 7 says, you know, a real dad, he wants to give his son bread, not a stone. He wants to give him fish, not a snake. Even though there is an evil, wicked struggle that goes on, the real desire of a dad is to love his kid. Is to want the best for his child. He wants his child to succeed, not to fail. That's his heart. But sometimes it's hard. Sometimes families are not affirming. And my plea is all of us is to set an environment where each other is affirmed. I want to read to you, this is part from a book uh, from Louis Yablonsky entitled Fathers and Sons. And in the book he tells a sad story of the fractured relationship that existed between his parents and how it affected him. Listen to Lewis's words. I vividly recall sitting at the dinner table with my two brothers and father and mother and cringing at my mother's attack on my father. Look at him, she would say in Yiddish. His shoulders are bent down. He's a failure. He doesn't have the courage to get a better job or make more money. He's a beaten man. He would keep his eyes pointed toward his plate and never answer her. She never extolled his virtues or persistence or the fact that he worked so hard. Instead, she constantly focused on the negative and created an image to his three sons of a man without fight, crushed by a world over which he had no control, his not fighting back against her constant criticism had the effect of confirming its validity to her sons. And my mother's treatment and the picture of my father did not convey to me that marriage was a happy state of being or that women were basically happy people. I was not especially motivated to assume the role of husband and father myself from my observations of my whipped father. We all need to be affirmed. Lewis had pointed out how it affected not only his dad, it affected everybody in the family. It affected him as a son, as a child. We need to be affirming. We need to build each other up. We need to believe in one another. We need to be each other's biggest cheerleaders. There needs to be a constant understanding that I love you, that you're part of this family, and I'm sticking by you. You can do it. Man, I need that. The rest of the guys need that. Really, everybody needs that. Don't we? Um, just a, a few thoughts before I go to Mark chapter 3 and look at a picture of a dad. 
First, uh, we're grateful for dads who consider their jobs important, but their family's more important. Man, it is easy to get busy. And it is easy to fall for this thing of, uh, all you need to do is give a little quality time. Because the truth of the matter is, uh, if you're not careful, a little quality time turns into almost no time. And we need to be reminded what really matters, what really lasts, and can somebody else do this? And 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 guys, we need to, we just need to be the kind of dads that understand that family is what's going to be there when all this other stuff's not. And and put our hearts there. It's like one little boy said. He expressed it this way. He said. Uh, or one guy said, when I was a kid, my father was like the light in the refrigerator. Every house had one, but no one really knew what either of them did once the door was closed. They don't know what you're doing at work. The kids don't. They know who you are at home. It's critical. Uh, secondly, the father who loves his wife but has affection left over for his children. There's nothing wrong with uh, some affection. There's nothing wrong with occasionally shedding a tear if you're a guy. You don't have to be so cold looking. You look like you could uh, keep the hot dogs frozen without a freezer. There's power in a, in a guy who's who's willing to be vulnerable and to let others see him. And there's there's power to those loved ones in his life. Great power. A third, the father who listens to and respects his children, but respects his God even more. Boy, there is no substitute for a person who loves Jesus. You just you can't duplicate it. You can't substitute it. It's a treasure that is beyond any set value. Um, a child's likely to find a father. In God, he's not likely to find a father in God unless he finds something of God in his father. Uh, I read about a man who was in the type of business where he had to dress up, you know, had to wear a suit all the time. And, uh, in church, as a Sunday school teacher, he had asked the kids to draw a picture of God, what God looked like. So the kids came back with some interesting pictures. They had pictures of clouds. They had pictures of men with these rather large hands. They had uh, pictures of rainbows. One little girl in the class had a picture of a man in his suit. And as it went around, the little kids were explaining what God looks like. This little girl looked over at her dad, who was the teacher, and said, I don't really know what God looks like, so I just drew a picture of my daddy. What a, what a responsibility and what a challenge. If people want to get a picture of God, often they relate, good or bad, to what did my earthly father, what does he look like? Not that any of us totally going to look like God, but that's the heart. That, that's the passion. That, that's, the, that's the longing. That's the desire. There's a picture of such a guy that uh, is moving to me. He's found in, the, we find him in Mark chapter 9. 
quite a setting here. Uh, let me give you some background. As chapter 9 opens up in the Gospel according to Mark, we find Jesus who took Peter, James, and John with Him. He went up to uh, this mountain. And Jesus suddenly, His clothes changed in uh, dazzling brightness. He began to glow. The Shekinah glory of God covered Jesus. Peter, James, and John were just... You know, you can say it backwards. Wow, you know. They were they were just amazed as they looked at Jesus as He shone with the glory of God. And Peter was like, man, I don't want to leave. Let's just camp up here. Let's just stay here. I want to be on the mountaintop. I want to stay here. I want to experience the power of God. But there's always a time to come down from the mountaintop. And so they come down. And it's interesting here. Man, it's just such real life, you know. They come down from the mountaintop. They come down from the great camp experience. And what happens? They enter into real life. And there's all this annoying stuff going on. Oh, that sounds just like that. And you come back. Man, you're fired up. Man, I'm pumped up for God, for Jesus. I'm going to serve Him. And you come in and there's this little whiny problem going on. And you're like, oh man, I want to be pumped up for Jesus. But I'd kind of like to smack that person. And... As we read this, this is what Jesus walks back into. Um, look down here at Mark chapter 9, verse 14. They've come off the mountain. I exp- imagine that the Shekinah glory of God is still upon Jesus. There's still a glow. There's still something to attract the crowds as they're attracted anyway to Jesus of that glorious experience. It says in verse 14, though, when, when they came to the other disciples, these are the ones besides uh, James, John, and Peter that had been with Jesus on the mount. It says, They saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet Him. And look what Jesus says. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. Jesus comes down the mountain with the three and there are the disciples. They had been doing ministry. They had been serving Jesus. They had been trying to attend to those who had been possessed by evil spirits. They had been trying to do ministry. They have been trying to do work. But what happened? They got into an argument. There were the religious teachers over here. And I can imagine the religious teachers kind of... I knew they couldn't do this. They're a bunch of fakes. And they're over here going, man, when we're with Jesus, this works. But now that Jesus isn't here, we're doing something wrong. Peter, you're, you know, you're not, you're not doing this the right way, man. Maybe you should have pointed your finger directly where they think the demon is instead of here. You missed him. The spirit zap missed him and that demon wouldn't come out. There's some kind of technique that's being missed here. Anyway, there's this argument that ensues and Jesus walks into this chaos. But I want you to notice, those that are a part of this event. Verse 17, A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit. But they could not. Who do we have here? We have a dad. He's not a dad that's too busy for his kid. I mean, think about it. Uh, if he had been at work all the time and, and wasn't ever with his kid, 
he wouldn't know that this was a regular problem, that his son suffered day after day and time after time with this illness. He says, Lord, this spirit has taken away his speech. He, he falls to the ground. He, he, he foams at the mouth. And, and if you look over, uh, there are two other accounts. If you look at the account in Luke, it says that he suddenly screams. Whew, man, have you ever had that happen? Where you're, you're, you know, you're with your kids and all, you know, and, and you're already, your nerves are just shot. And all of a sudden it's, ah! I didn't want to blast you guys out to the mic. I was scared to really scream. And you're just like, oh. you know, I think I'm going to go insane. I'm going to go nuts. He, he was trying to love his kid, but, but these problems, they were real. And he was, he was at the end. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know where to turn. And he comes to Jesus, he's, he's honest. He, Jesus in there, he's talking to these disciples. He says, man, you guys help me. You, you've been with Jesus. You, what do I do? How, 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 how can this be resolved? But they couldn't do it. But it's the passion of, of, of this dad and it, it's the care of this dad um, that's touching. And you know, I have to give this guy some credit. I mean, how often when children get sick do you see the dads at the doctor's office? A lot of times it's the moms, not the dad. Here's dad. He's, he's come because of the illness of his son. You know, when I thought about this compassion of this man, I tell you who came to my mind. Uh, it's Judy's brother, the Lamberts, with, with Alex. And I know Alex has a lot of, uh, he has a lot of physical struggle. And uh, I remember sometime back in the Abington Hospital, I went by to, See them when Alex was really sick. And man, it's obvious how much they love him. I left there crying myself. As I saw the compassion that Bruce and Pat have for their son Alex. How much they love him. How much they, they care for him. Man, it was obvious. You couldn't miss it. And I thought of that as I thought about the compassion of this dad who wants his son to be healed and as he, he talks to these disciples, it's like they become more like, you know, some kind of professional religious leader instead of someone who's leaning upon Jesus to get the job done. It's so easy to go through the motions without the Master. And Jesus comes back to them. And, and, and notice how, how He addresses them later on. He, he talks about prayer. He says, uh, you, you, you didn't make it, you weren't able to do this because this comes by prayer. This comes by being connected to me. This comes by a deep relationship with me. It's not by what you do, guys. It's by being connected to me the right way. That's what matters. You know, it's interesting. Look how this demon attacked this boy. Look at the struggle this family had. Um, it's... Uh, um, we read that the dad tells him that this boy, he convulses. We learn that uh, it's foaming at the mouth. We learn that oftentimes uh, he would fall into fire, he would fall into water. That there was this kind of struggle where this demon wanted to destroy him, wanted to hurt him, uh, wanted to make him miserable, wanted him to physically suffer. And uh, it was this kind of struggle. 
that would occur. But the positive spirit that occurred with this guy who came wanting to find answers and he came to Jesus. Look at Jesus' answer, verse 19. Though. Oh, believing, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the Spirit saw Jesus, immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. How positive, how, how sweet it was that he came and he was honest. When I was in seminary, uh, I was an intern at a, at a church. My favorite meeting in that church was Wednesday night prayer meeting time. And... Uh, there was a guy in there who was dying of cancer. His name was Butch. And it seemed like for six months, we'd get... This happened about three times over six months that I remember. But we'd always pray for Butch. And he was always ill. And he was always at the hospital telling people about the Lord. It was Butch's heart. But uh, they would say, please pray for Butch. He could die any time. Um, he, he won't be around much longer. We need to remember Butch. We need to remember his family. And I remember one time that occurred, and of course we're all like getting ready to get on our knees and pray for Butch. And Butch is there, man. He jumps up and he says, "That's not true." He says, "I'm not there yet." But thanks for praying, man. What you know, man? That was contagious. Just his attitude. Hey, let's you know, let's continue on. This guy had an attitude of, uh, "Lord, help me." And I love the honesty here. He doesn't say, uh, "I have no struggles." He doesn't say that there are times I, I don't believe. He's honest. Look at verse 24. What a great answer. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. You know, this started out about the boy. He said, Lord, heal my boy. But he had some healing that he needed. He needed to believe. He needed to trust Jesus. It's interesting as you look at the pronouns. Verse 22, it's often thrown him into the fire water to kill him. And then it moves, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. The honesty comes to the surface. Jesus says, if you can, everything is possible to him who believes. Jesus looks at the Father and basically He says to Him, you need to hear, you need to believe. Now, think about this dad. I want to turn back to disciples, which is an honest picture where so often we all are supposed to be living for Jesus, but there's just no power in our lives. Um, powerless. And why is that? Uh, because we're perilous. I remember a friend of mine in college who used to say, more prayer, more power. Less prayer, less power. No prayer, no power. So these disciples found out. Yeah, could that be where you are today? If you are, be honest before God. 
I get there sometimes. Just dry as dust. But God says, you don't stay there. I think as He talked to these disciples, He wanted to get hold of them and say, you know, spend time getting on your face before the Lord. No excuses not to. And then second question, how long has it been uh, since you were personally involved to touch a hurting person? This dad took his son. He took that time off work, whatever that was necessary, to Jesus. A lot of times we talk about helping somebody or reaching out to somebody, but sometimes we just need to do it. We just need to go. We need to take that initiative to go. I want to close with that. Paul Harvey had read this sometime back about a father. To be a man. And challenges to be men who care and men who go. Here's how uh, this was worded on Harvey's show. A father's a thing that is forced to endure childbirth without an anesthetic. A father's a thing that growls when he feels good and laughs very loud when he is scared half to death. father never feels entirely worthy of the worship in a child's eyes. He's never quite the hero his daughter thinks, never quite the man his son believes him to be, and this worries him sometimes. So he works too hard to try to smooth the rough places in the road for those of his own who will follow him. A father is a thing that gets very angry when the first grades in school are not as good as he thinks they should be. He scolds his son, though he knows it's the teacher's fault. Fathers grow old faster than people (laughs) because they in other wars have to stand at the train station and wave goodbye to the uniformed son that climbs aboard. And while mothers can cry where it shows, fathers have to stand there and beam outside and die inside. Fathers have very stout hearts, so they have to be broken sometimes or no one would know what's inside. Fathers are what give daughters away to other men who are not nearly good enough so that they can have grandchildren that are smarter than anybody's. Fathers fight dragons almost daily. They hurry away from the breakfast table off to the arena, which is sometimes called an office or a workshop. There with callous practiced hand, they tackle the dragon with three heads. Weariness, work, and monotony. They never quite win the fight, but they never give up. Knights in shining armor. Fathers in shiny trousers. There's a little difference as they march away to each work day. And when a father dies, I have an idea that after a good rest, he will not be happy unless there's work to do. He'll not just sit on a cloud and wait for the girl he's loved and the children she bore. He'll be busy there too, repairing the stairs, oiling the gates, improving the streets, smoothing the way. It's a challenge, guys. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we come to you. You definitely are the example of a father. I know I'm challenged as a man, Lord, in your image. That your image might shine through me, God. And I believe the other guys have that same longing, Lord. To be men, not just tough, but tough as velvet. As uh, Sandberg called Lincoln, the velvet steel. And uh, Father, uh, may we be that way tough but gentle with a heart for you God and a heart for our families and a heart that cares 
listens. And uh, Father, thank you for this man in the Scripture who brought his son to Jesus. We bring our kids to Jesus now, Lord. You're the only one, God, that can really give them life. You're the only one that can really direct them, God. The evil one wants to take our children like they took the kid, uh, this man, throw him into the fire, throw him into the water. They want our kids to suffer. You want to release them, God. And so we give them unto you, God. We cannot be the people you want us to be as moms, as dads, as children, as brothers, as sisters, as workers. But Lord, in you there is hope. And so we come to you, God. Have your way. Uh, This morning we want to respond to you if you have spoken to our hearts. Get a hold of us, Lord. What do you want us to do, God? Uh, do you want us to come to the front to pray? Do you want us to say before the people of God, this is what the Lord's done in my life? Uh, do we need to pray right where we are? Jesus, uh, forgive me of my sin. Come live in my heart. Make me new. Do we need to have that experience for the first time, Lord, now? Father, what do you want? Have your way because you're the Heavenly Father, God. We come to you, Lord, uh, wanting to be who you want. And so, Lord, have your way this morning. We love you and we need you. In your name we pray. Amen.